So it's a uh, growing up. It was a, a family Christmas tradition of ours to have this Christmas calendar. And it looked way cooler than this one does, but it was like the only picture that I could find of it. So the idea is you have one day numbered for each day in December leading up to December 25th. And each day, each number has a pocket. And in that pocket, you place little goodies for your children. And so every day that comes, when they wake up, uh, if it's December the 9th, they get to go to the nine pocket and pull something out. And that is their treat for that day. And so we did that as kids. And it was this uh, this wonderful exercise of anticipation for us. I remember very vividly my favorite um, treat to get in that calendar was a whistle pop. I don't know why exactly. Um, um, and for some strange reason... Um, they're discontinued. Maybe the parents got a hold of the manufacturer and were like, you got to put the kibosh on these things because they sound awful. But we loved them. You know, you can you can suck on this sweet lollipop and you can make terrible noise at the same time. It was so great. But I remember anticipating and loving these whistle pops, among other things that we would get. Um, and now I grew up in Churches of Christ. And in, in the tribe growing up, um, we didn't really in, celebrate the Christian calendar at all. And there were reasons for that. You know, um, uh, we party line was, you know, we worship the, the Lord Jesus and not the baby Jesus. Or we don't know exactly when Jesus was born. Um, so there were there were reasons for why we really didn't engage the Christian calendar um, in ways, obviously, that I don't find convincing today. Um, But I didn't grow up with like Advent or Christmas. Some of you are the same way. You didn't grow up with the seasons of the Christian calendar. And so but looking back on it, I mean, this this kind of calendar was the closest thing that we got to the spirit of Advent um, because it was this exercise in anticipation of looking forward, of of eagerly waiting and hoping for something. Now, granted, it was not religious or spiritual. We weren't we weren't practicing anticipation for the uh, for God to enter the world in Jesus. We were anticipating lumps of sugar and then the mother load of presents that we would be getting <laughs> come Christmas Day. Right. Very holy observation there. Right. But that was the closest we got to, to Advent. So here we are today, um, the third Sunday in the season of Advent. Um, Advent is the beginning of the story of Jesus that we relive as a community of faith every year around this time of year. Advent means arrival. During Advent, we remember the way God's people longed for the arrival of the Messiah, of King Jesus. And we anticipate how God will arrive again to make everything new. Advent is different than Christmas. In fact, it's tempting to jump ahead to the good news of Christmas where God does arrive in the person of Jesus and skip over Advent. Because who likes waiting? Right. Who who we start singing Christmas songs November one. Right. Like who needs to wait? Let's get right to it. This is an exciting season. But there is something, even though it's difficult, there's something that's good for our souls about sitting in the season of Advent, sitting in the tension of longing and expectation. Uh, Advent is about 
patience, like we read in that first Peter text. Christmas is more about joy. Advent is about hope. Christmas is about fulfillment. Advent is about expectation and longing. Christmas is more of a feast. Advent is more of a fast. Um, again, it's not as fun unless you have a calendar like that, you know, with sugar pops. It may not be as fun as Christmas, but it is good for our souls. The prophet Isaiah lived and prophesied in Jerusalem in the 700s B.C., in Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. And during his lifetime, he saw the northern kingdom of Israel destroyed by Assyria and violently drug away into captivity. Thousands of its inhabitants were deported and the northern kingdom was decimated. And Isaiah prophesied that this happened because Israel was unfaithful to God. They were unjust toward the poor. They were idolatrous in worshiping other gods besides the living God. And so God turned them over to destruction. And Isaiah warned Judah, the southern kingdom that he was a part of. He warned them that the same thing would happen to them if they didn't turn from their ways. And eventually it did. Not long after, but well, actually a long time after Isaiah died in 605 B.C., uh, the king of Babylon pulls up in Judah and does the same thing that the king of Assyria had done to the northern kingdom and drags many, deports many um, to Babylonia to live in captivity there. Eventually, the people of God return about 70 years later in 538 B.C. when the Persian king Cyrus um, beat out, won over, conquered the king of Babylon, the Babylonians, and he set them free basically to go home. And so in the midst of this time of these dual captivities and even after of it, when when the people of Israel return, they they have this longing to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the land that's been destroyed. In the midst of this time, Isaiah's oracles, his his prophecies become very popular. This is the favorite book of the people of God from like 600 B.C. until the arrival of Jesus because... It was written for people who felt like they were in the wilderness, in a dry and parched land. Just waiting, longing, anticipating for God to do something, for God to change things, for God, dear God, please show up for us. Because they didn't have any power to change things in and of themselves. Salvation for Israel and for Judah was very tangible. It was it was very concrete. It was deliverance and freedom from the captivity they were in. It was homecoming. It was it was being able to go home to Judah to rebuild, to to restore the land that God had given them. There was so much hope in the midst of that. So I think part of the reason Isaiah continues to resonate for us is because we continue to experience wilderness On all kinds of levels, Uh, waiting, longing, yearning for God to do something, for God to change things. Uh, Many of you know that Julie lost her dad earlier this fall and the loss um, and the grief that that kind of loss creates 
this sense of wilderness, right? Those of you who have lost loved ones know firsthand that, especially around the holidays, there is this, there's a hole there. There's a longing. There's a sense of yearning for reunion with the people that we love so very much. Uh, on Facebook earlier this fall, before Trump was elected, I noticed some of my Muslim friends were um, passing around different memes and emojis. Um, one of the emojis was um, of a like a smiley face or like a tongue sticking out with X's over the eyes. And one of the, my Muslim friends said, this is going to be me if Trump is elected. You know, ha ha ha. But, but beneath that, that, that humor is this deep sense of concern. Like, what will happen? And, of course, you know, Trump has been elected. And so all, lots of our friends of color, our Muslim neighbors, are, are feeling wilderness right now. They're feeling this yearning, this longing, um, this, this deep anxiety about what, what's going to happen to us. Will, will what we fear turn out to be true? So there's wilderness there for them. Uh, some of us are yearning for health and healing. Uh, we've got some some uh, some sickness or illness in our lives that is not clearing up and we don't know when it's going to clear up. And we're we're yearning for God to break through and to do something. Some of us are wanting something to change in our job. Um, it feels like we're just clicking the clock every day, wanting 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 to do meaningful work. Uh, maybe others of us are anticipating a life transition that hasn't yet come about. And we're eager for stuff to give so that things can get better. And it's not just individual, it's communal too. Like for Israel, this sense of wilderness and yearning was a communal thing. It was about all of them being delivered. And I, I can see the way that the leaders in Storyline, the way that we yearn for, for breakthrough in our mission the way that we yearn for the friends that we know who are disconnected from God to come into the kingdom and come to know God. We're hungry for that. We feel some wilderness there. Where's the wilderness in your life right now? Where, where's the wilderness in our church family right now? Where's the wilderness in your neighborhood right now? What I love about Isaiah the most is that he is a visionary. He offers some of the most beautiful pictures of hope and restoration. Because for Isaiah, with all of the judgment that comes out in Isaiah, with all of the scathing words about destruction that's coming, if you don't uh, straighten up and get on the right path, all of that is intended toward the end of restoration. Correction is always for the sake of... Of renewal for Isaiah. Judgment is always in the hope of restoration, which is what Isaiah 35, the text that we read, is what it's all about. In this vision, the wilderness becomes an oasis. This place of yearning and longing and hoping and waiting becomes a place of life and fertility. The wilderness, as Terry read, becomes like a crocus flower that bursts into view. I think we've got a... I didn't know what a crocus looked like. Some of you gardener types might... Can you find the purple flowers in there? Are they in there? 
Ah. So imagine the, you know, the wilderness just bursting into bloom. What wilderness does that, right? Bursting into bloom like the crocus flower. Uh, Isaiah said it's transformed to look like Lebanon and Carmel and Sharon. Those places are very unfamiliar to us, probably. But for the person of Judah hearing this story, they would think, you know, they live in a very arid desert climate. And they're thinking right here, they're recalling the most lush, densely vegetated oasis kinds of places that they can imagine in Palestine and in that that uh, the eastern Mediterranean. These are all places where life and abundance just flourish. And not only that, it becomes this place of healing and health. You'll recall the eyes of the blind are open. The ears of the deaf are unstopped. Those whose bodies are lame start to leap like deer. And in the middle of this oasis is a highway, the highway of holiness. What a great name. We should rename a highway, the highway of holiness. What a great, what a great prophetic witness to our, to our city, to our community, to our nation. Where those who are faithful can walk right out of captivity into the land of promise. There's no, there's no um, lions or predators that could bother them. This is a highway of safety. It's a, it's a place of security. We don't have to worry about who's going to do what to us or who's going to kick us out of where. It's a place of safety. The, the unclean and the wicked aren't allowed on this path. They can't harm us either. Only the redeemed walk on this highway. And most of all, it culminates in this, this vision of joy. It will be a place of great joy. Gladness and joy will overtake those. Who walk down this highway. So much so. There will be so much joy. There won't be any room for sorrow or sighing. Life, healing, holiness, safety, joy. This is the vision of salvation and hope that Isaiah offers to those who are in the wilderness. It's a picture of new creation. The wilderness is transformed into an oasis. Um, Take just 30 seconds. You can close your eyes if you want to. Just do a mental imagination exercise with me. Just try to imagine what this would look like for the wilderness to burst into bloom and to become a place of life in abundance. I was trying to get a picture of what this might look like myself, and I discovered Al-Barari. I'm sure I'm butchering that because it's Arabic Arabic or Farsic or something. Um, But it's right in the middle of the desert in Dubai. Thank you, Google search, for that discovery. Al-Barari literally means, and I have a few pictures of it, it literally means the wilderness. And you can see in the background, you know, Dubai has like the the tallest building in the whole world. That's downtown Dubai in the background. And this is this this oasis in the middle of the desert. You can see how the desert is kind of just beyond it, right? Al-Barari means the wilderness. 
um, because it's exactly that. All around is uh, this desert and some visionary environmentalists. They leverage some technology, um, recycling water and some green initiatives to make this basically an oasis, a place of fertility and abundance in the middle of the desert. And just looking at these pictures, there's a couple more. Um, This is um, yeah, this isn't southern uh, southeast Georgia. This is this is the middle of the desert. Right. Um, Which, you know, we we see more of it here. But imagine if you've lived in the Persian Gulf and in the desert your whole life. And what you know is that that picture of wilderness, that's actually in Dubai as well. That's the desert. That's what most people are accustomed to. Imagine how you would respond to something like this or to something like that in the middle of the desert. That, that's the picture that Isaiah is offering to these folks. A picture of hope. The way the wilderness is transformed into an oasis. Uh, just looking at those pictures makes me want to go there and... Just sit there and be still and enjoy it, right? In Isaiah, these characteristics of life and abundance are secondary. They are not primary. They come from somewhere. They don't exist on their own. They are byproducts of something. Something exists that makes possible life and healing and holiness and safety and joy. Right in the middle of Isaiah's oasis is none other than the living God. It's God. It's the presence of God who creates the environment where life and abundance and healing and holiness and joy come about. It says they will see the glory of the Lord. In verse 2, they will see the splendor of our God. God is the one who lights up this oasis. It's the presence of God who is the source of all of this life. So this picture of oasis, we put it alongside of the wilderness that we find ourselves in together or individually. And we have to admit that things are not all right right now. Everything is not hunky-dory right now. We, we have got some wilderness that we're in the midst of. We still find ourselves there. But into that experience of wilderness, Isaiah said to Judah, and he says to us, strengthen your feeble hands. Steady your knees. Say to those with feel, fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come and save you. This is a call to hope. It's a call not to let go. It's a call to hang on in the midst of whatever wilderness you're in the midst of right now. Even if it feels like things are crumbling all around you, hang on. God will come. And save us. This call to hope isn't a call to passivity. As if we kind of sit back on our laurels and just hope that God will do everything, right? Um, It is a call to active faithfulness. Why else would we need to steady our hands and steady our knees? What do we do with our hands and our knees, right? We live. 
We go to work. We act. We are faithfully obedient. But this, is a, this, this kind of hope isn't naive either. To think that by the strength of our hands or the strength of our legs, we have the power in and of ourselves to turn the wilderness into an oasis. That's above our pay grade. Yeah? So we are active. Active in our faithful obedience, but hopeful in our trust, knowing that only God changes the world. Only God turns the oasis Uh, turns the wilderness into an oasis. This call to hope is also not a call to rational certitude or the lack of doubt. Uh, As if, if I have doubts, that I am suddenly disqualified from having this hope or or being a part of this story. Uh, Because um, rational certitude, um, quite frankly, is not possible. Um, For a number of reasons, mainly because we're finite. We are humans trying to grasp the infinite. And the truth is, great leaders in the story of God, like Moses, were riddled at times with doubt, with hesitation, with fear. And yet still, they held on to this great hope. There's a difference between destructive doubt, where in our spirits we say, there's no way this can be true. And there's a difference between that and constructive doubt where we are open. We feel the pain and the wrestling in the midst of the wilderness, but we are open to grow in faith and in hope. That, that's the truth for most of us. We don't always figure it out. It, it, it's unraveled for us. It's, it's hard to know how everything fits together. But in the midst of those doubts, we still hang on to hope. We hang on to God because God will come and save us. God is faithful. In the fullness of time, He sent Jesus the Messiah. And Jesus initiated the fulfillment of this Isaiah 35 vision to bring life and healing and safety and holiness and redemption and joy through His life and His death and His resurrection. He inaugurated the kingdom of God. And those of us who put our trust in Jesus, who follow Him in faithfulness to God, who uh, allow God to put through Him on us our identity as beloved sons and daughters, we begin to experience the oasis of life, even in the midst of the wilderness. And one day, Jesus will return to complete what He started. As my son says, He will turn heaven, He will turn earth into heaven. Isn't that a great way of saying it? Jesus will return and transform the wilderness into the oasis for good. He will turn earth into heaven. Until then, we live with hope. Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come and save you. Let's sit in silence for about a minute to reflect on what God is saying to us and how He is calling us to respond in this moment.
join me in praying this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.